Hello and welcome to Stoppage Time, the football podcast from Surrey FA, powered by VidPix. The nationwide Rainbow Laces campaign is in full swing, running from late November until mid-December. Clubs and players from all levels of the game have been showing their support for the cause and lacing up to encourage inclusion. Today, we're lucky enough to be able to speak to Erin Waters-Williams from Stonewall, the charity behind the campaign. Erin is the charity's sport engagement manager, so who better to tell us more about the charity, the campaign, and share her thoughts and best practice around LGBT plus inclusion in football. Erin, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me today. It's Not great to all. be here. Thank you. So let, let's start off with Stonewall. So what is the overall aim of Stonewall and, and when did it all start? Um, yeah, so Stonewall is lar Europe's largest LGBT plus charity and we're here to make sure that um, lesbian, gay, bi and trans people um, are in included and protected um, in the UK and, and abroad. Uh, we were set up in the late 80s in response to Section 28, which was legislation that outlaw outlawed speaking about um, sort of LGBT relationships um, or identities in schools. And that was after that was repealed in 2003 in England and Wales, we basically turned a lot of attention to um, policy work and campaigning and sort of really, really working hard to make workplaces and educational um, institutions and general institutions in general um, really inclusive for LGBT people. And that includes our Rainbow Laces campaign, which has been running for five years now. Yeah, just kind of going into the sort of the sport angle there. Uh, what are you specifically doing? I mean, you'll probably tie in here to, to Rainbow Laces, pardon the pun. Um, mm -hmm. But how are you how are you fighting for equality um, and raising awareness in, in football with Rainbow Laces? Um, yeah, so a lot of our work focuses on the education side. So it's it's informing people of what it's like to be LGBT and uh, some of the challenges and barriers that people face and then really building um, allyship and community. So people who are not LGBT or do not have certain identities to really stand up and, and be, you know, firm supporters. So it's it's sort of going in and working with community clubs. We work with the Premier League really closely. We work with the EFL and SPFL and university teams and the FA and various different, you know, obviously yourselves with um sorry FA and lots of different organizations to to really get to into the communities and, and work with people on the ground to change hearts and minds and um, help people sort of create really tangible action plans to to understand why you know people being themselves is, is just good for sport. Yeah yeah totally and I guess this is quite an unusual year 2020 mm -hmm. um, but but what specific activations have you been seeing for the campaign as a whole and clubs getting involved in it? Yeah, so this this year is is different, um, and it just really highlights why it's so important. With um, you know the, the the pandemic sort of hit hitting disadvantaged communities, including LGBT people, um, and in particular um, LGBT people living in sort of in poverty or in unsafe living conditions, um, LGBT people of color and those disabilities. So we're really sort of focusing those activations on how we can really celebrate. Uh, the the power that sport has and and sort of really build those communities or whether or not they're in person or virtually so we're seeing uh you know the big professional teams getting involved with uh lots of stuff on social media um we saw some really interesting banners and in stadiums happening people can still wear laces no matter where you are um or even if you're just having a kick about in the park um you know 
by yourself or with a friend that is sort of if that's safe in your area um you can still wear the laces and still do the work so we're seeing loads and loads of stuff on social media and people can still get involved um you know by sh by sharing stories and and sharing sort of some of our educational resources as well yeah and so sort of coming on to that um i guess specifically to clubs in surrey um mm -hmm. what, what sort of things can they be doing to ensure that those lgbt supporters and players actually feel welcome within that environment yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is around the visibility. So it's it's putting out those little signals on on social media or on WhatsApp calls or Zoom calls, and just just visibly and, and openly speaking about LGBT inclusion and and why it's so important, and you know, showing your support, and then going a little bit deeper and saying, right, well, not only do we accept and we celebrate this, but we're going to really sort of understand how and why we can do to, to sort of take action. So on our website, we've got some resources up on how to be an ally, LGBT people in sport, um, especially um, updated for how to do it this year when it's sort of COVID safe sport. And um, it's, yeah, it's really just about sort of talking about it and, and sharing stories. Yeah, and I think, I guess the, the sort of the education angle there's there's really important. Um, kind of, you know, t taking things back to, you know, almost away from sport. Uh, what do you think that children should be taught from a young age, uh, you know, in order for us to build a more inclusive society in the future? Yeah, I mean, so we know actually that it was 54% of LGBT peoples are, you know, here, negative, homophobic, biphobic and transphobic language in their sports lessons. Um, so people, we do know that people are having bad experiences with sport. Um, and with sort of LGBT identities from a young age. So, you know, this is why um, inclusive, um, you know, RSC and uh, education is so, so important. It's it's sort of telling people that, you know, different families exist, um, different identities exist, um, and everything is valid and everything is just worth celebrating. So the more that people can, sort of, again, as I said, it's, it's a bit of a theme of, you know, sharing stories and, and sort of talking about it and just making it seem just, you know, not just something that is that happens, but something that's truly celebrated and it doesn't have negative connotations of, on it. Um, and that anybody of any identity can play football um, or, you know, do any sport or, you know, do anything really. Um, that's the sort of message we want to get out to, to schools. And that's what we're working with uh, young people's community clubs and, and schools on quite, quite closely with. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the other thing is, I guess, the, the role models and it, that's where it's quite difficult in the professional mm -hmm. game at the moment certainly um on, on the male side mm -hmm. a, a lack of those those role models and as an organization we we try and use this podcast and we use our this is sorry football campaign to try and speak to to individuals from um potentially minority groups um and and sort of other areas in sport um to, to sort of shine a light and actually hope that 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 kind of starts those conversations a bit um mm -hmm. but from from your perspective with your kind of your your sports hat on again um are there any active football players that that you would look to and consider to be role models in terms of the work that they're actually doing towards lgbt plus inclusion um i mean yeah i think from my side of it i mean you might tell from my accent i grew up in the states and um, <laughs> i've always been a fan of our women's uh women's national team so not only are they you know outstanding on the pitch um, but we have a team full of people who are some of them are um, lesbian and bi um, 
and some of them aren't, but the ones who are um, cis and straight are extraordinarily strong allies, both for their lesbian and bi teammates, but also for uh, trans inclusion. I know Alex Morgan, who's with Spurs now, has sort of said really firmly that, you know, she w would love to play uh, with or against trans women in football and everybody's welcome. So I think that's a brilliant thing to do. And then um, also other people on the team like Megan Rapino and Adriana French and Ashlyn Harris and Ali Krieger just sort of coming up and, you know, we had a we have a who won a World Cup together. It's it's incredible to see. And I think their energy is really spreading over into the men's game and into the um, you know, different aspects of, of the UK culture where having athlete um, you know, campaigning is is becoming more and more common and more and more um, influential. So, you know, hopefully we do have start to see people speaking out a bit more over here. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe alongside that the, the 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 way that the females female game is is growing in status and profile and we've mm -hmm. got players coming over from the states now playing in in england and that's mm -hmm. that's really helping over here i think maybe the sort of the female game is, is gets a bit more publicity in the states or at least it has has done in the past uh, mm -hmm. i think maybe do you feel that that can can benefit the male game if you've got these these people like megan rapinoe who are as famous Far, you know, far more famous than a lot of male male players in this country. Mm -hmm. That that surely helps as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know when um, when Kristen Press and Tobin Heath came over to play for Manchester United, they collectively sold out more shirts than any of the men's players had wow. when they first signed. So it's you know it's it's obviously a, a you know a really big growing growing um, sort of network of of women's fans but I do think in general it's it's football it's you know it's not a gender thing it's just people love football so the more people are able to sort of turn around and just say actually this is a sport we love this is what we want to watch um, and let's take the learnings from the men's game in some areas and bring them to the women's game or the women's game in some areas and bring them to the men's game um, it's just sort of tearing down these really you know artificially created gender barriers and just letting everybody um, you know celebrate the the thing that we all want to celebrate which is football and you know ideally you know winning yeah yeah absolutely so focusing more on on you as an individual if, if i can mm -hmm. now um yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would would love a job like yours uh you know focus on equality mm -hmm. and inclusion and specifically within sport um how what's your sort of career career pathway obviously you mentioned you've come from the states so there's mm -hmm. there's that there's that side to it <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I yeah. I, I, so I grew up in New York, but I've been in the UK for about 15 years now. Um, I am a lacrosse player. I played, um, you know, all throughout growing up and and internationally, and that brought me over to the to the UK. Um, so I worked in um, sort of volunteering throughout governing bodies for a very long time, um, both on and off the pitch when I was playing. Um, did a lot of coaching, um, and then that led to some roles within sport. Um, it actually at university then I um very familiar with Surrey FA because I work, used to work at Royal Holloway um, and then that, um, that led me over to working a little bit more and sort of realizing the impact that um you know sport had had on my life and my journey and how sport essentially was so useful as a as a tool for me when I was going through homophobia off the pitch it was sport that sort of led me through it and gave me a safe space so um that motivated me to sort of want to grow that for everyone and really get um get to grips with the fact that we can go further and further the 
you know, to do to do the work to sort of say, right, well, actually, if people perform, that's when they can be themselves. How do we create the ideal environment in that regard? And and how do we, you know, as I said, you know, tear down some of the challenges from from the root rather than letting them grow up and then having to sort of backtrack and you know waste time and money to to pull things down. So that's sort of where I the, the Stonewall role. I've been here for about two and a half years now, um, and that's what led to to this position. But you know, I I think I'm really lucky to be honest to be able to do this work. And um, yeah, I would very, very much people encourage people to working in sport, look at what you enjoy about sport, look at what sports brought you in life and sort of look at sort of how you can continue to use that to make a difference in professionally. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And uh, sort of finally coming on to now your work with Stonewall, mm-hmm. uh, what, what have been your highlights in your time there? Yeah, it's um, it's a good question, and it's something I thought quite a lot about. I think the the biggest highlights are seeing the the tangible change and sort of seeing those penny drop moments for people when you when you facilitate an education program and work on and we call them empowerment programs because they really do you know they're not trainings they they empower people and you you so we sort of have these conversations and then you can kind of see people's eyes light up and they're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that that was going to be an issue, but now I'm going to really take this away and and do the change or change my behavior or or continue doing what I'm doing because actually I realize that what I'm doing is is a great thing. And and then hearing from people later on, you know, three months down the line when people share their success stories, uh, that's always so, so wonderful to hear. So it's it's really I, I love the fact that I get to be on the ground a bit and 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 see the change and and see the sort of awesome stuff that people are doing and, and that's definitely a highlight. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And hopefully with supporters back in the ground, you know, we can make a bit more bit more noise mm-hmm. in in person, certainly in in the stadiums. Uh, like you, you mentioned that the banners are obviously there, but we haven't got the fans kind of waving mm-hmm. those banners. And I guess I guess it can be more impactful when you're you're kind of having that face-to-face contact with with supporters potentially yeah absolutely and I, I think you know live sporting events is something that pre-pandemic um 40 like 43 percent of um lgbt people didn't actually think that live sporting events were safe for them but um which is which is you know not a good statistic yeah. and we that's what shows why why our work still needs to continue but we have this really great opportunity here to to sort of press the reset button and a lot of things so it's it's sort of right we've all taken a break now how can we relaunch sport whether or not it's community sport and you know access to changing facilities all up to um you know being in stadiums and how can we really make sure that everything is come back to well goes when it goes back it goes goes in a way that makes everybody feel included and i think as you say you know we've seen some amazing shows of support over the last few years of people really going above and beyond to demonstrate that their team is actually inclusive of of all sorts of fans of all identities and you know hopefully the people when we do get back into the stadium safely uh you know really run with it and take that opportunity to to celebrate each other yeah yeah completely like you say it's an opportunity for a reset and i think probably society as a whole maybe a a kinder society yeah hopefully hopefully yeah (laughs) we're working for (laughs) good stuff good stuff erin thank you so much for your time Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, it's been great. Thank you for listening to another one of our Stoppage Time podcasts. To keep up to date with everything going on at Surrey FA, why not follow us on social media? You'll find us at Surrey FA on Twitter and Facebook, at Surrey County FA on Instagram, and Surrey FA TV on YouTube.
Take care, and we'll be back soon with another Sorry FA Stoppage Time podcast.